am your host, Sire Slayman, and welcome to another episode of PM Hub Podcast Series, where we feature product leaders across the tech industry in the Canadian space. Now, in this episode, we will talk about running remote design sprints. Product teams are adjusting their processes with the new realities of the world. We have COVID-19 and working remotely is happening all over the place. And, you know, running such remote design sprints is becoming more and more popular. Now, in order to help us better understand how to effectively go about it, I had a chat with uh, Mitch Sagan. Mitch went to McGill and studied mechanical engineering, but then veered off and found his place building digital products. Focusing on people, Mitch loves to build product, design and engineering teams, and has been absolutely humbled by his accomplishments in his career. Now based in Berlin, Germany, Mitch is trying to balance ambition, patience, and humility to make something wonderful. He is the co-founder and CPO at Chefslist, a B2B ordering platform. Hey Mitch, welcome to PM Hub. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be on. Your thing, yes. Uh, so why don't you uh, start talking about what's your journey into product? Yeah, no, definitely. I definitely have a bit of a roundabout journey into product. So um, I'm I'm from uh, northern Ontario in a mining kind of city, and I was never introduced really to, to much in terms of tech or product growing up. Um, like the thing to do is basically to do mining type work. Uh, so when I graduated high school, I ended up getting an engineering degree and in mechanical specifically, and I worked in mechanical for a few years, and I just got really kind of frustrated with with the pace of work there, and and at that time, I was also kind of teaching myself to code on the side because I was just kind of super excited about all the tech that was coming out, right? I was super excited about building little apps on Blackberries and things like that, uh, and I taught myself to code, and I was always thinking through startup ideas too with a friend of mine that was an engineer. And one day he he was like, hey, Mitch, there's this job opening available for something called a product manager at my company. I think you'd, you'd be a really good fit. And I, I, I looked at the job description and I really had uh, none of the hard skills and all of the soft skills, but uh, they, were, they were willing to take a risk on me. I got my first job in product and and from that point onward i just surrounded myself with really great mentors and and being in a in an environment where you could experiment and learn and fail and retry is kind of where i ended up ended up building up all of my chops and and since then you know that's you know a while ago now and i've done done quite a bit since then got to work in the u.s start a couple companies and now finding myself in berlin so it's been a it's definitely been an an adventurous path here yeah (laughs) well that's pretty that's pretty cool man all the way from northern ontario to you know doing your mechanical at mcgill and then ending up in product yeah it's pretty all over the place but now you're in berlin right so uh, you're the co-founder. So what's the, at, at Chef's List, so what's the team size and structure over there? Yeah, that's right. So Chef's List is, um, we're, we're basically a B2B ordering platform for restaurants. Uh, we're very early stage. So we, we've we raised a bit of a, a pre-seed round. So we're, we're 10 folks now, which is basically um, three co-founders. So me running kind of product 
tech and design, another co-founder running sales, and another one on the operation side. And then we have three full-time engineers, two full-time designers, and two full-time customer service folks. Uh, so, so it's we're 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 still at a size where we all kind of fit in one room pre pre quarantine easily, uh, but large enough where where we're able to you know pump out some some good product pretty quickly. Awesome. No, I love that. Uh, so before jumping uh, right into the topic at hand, uh, running the remote design sprints, Mitch, how has COVID-19 overall affected your business? Yeah, it's been quite the shakeup. Um, I think, well, it, it's been quite the shakeup for, I feel like every industry, business, and even person individually, it feels like. Um, but given we're in the restaurant industry, uh, we were hit extremely hard. Um, you know, the, the restaurants were essentially, well, not essentially, they were actually fully closed down for a period of time. And, the, and we're now slowly starting to reopen. But what's been really interesting about it is we're we're all obviously thinking about kind of what the future of the restaurant industry is because we're everyone is pretty certain the the effects of of covid are going to be you know permanent in the sense that things are just going to be completely different so this this caused us to get a little bit kind of existential about our business to make sure we're thinking about you know what is the future of, of it for us and and what's going to be our place in it in time and and that's actually uh, what ended up forcing us to need to run this remote design sprint which which I guess we'll spend the uh, the rest of our time together talking about. So I'm looking forward to kind of digging into what I learned there and and how it actually ended up helping us quite a bit. That'd be great. That'd be really awesome. Uh, so I'm just curious as well, when it comes to product development processes itself, how has COVID affected that piece, if you don't mind just uh, dabbling into it a little bit? Yeah, um, so we were we were quite lucky, or not lucky, but uh, we had a partially distributed team to begin with. So uh, in terms of having the the proper tooling set up uh, to to work efficiently remotely, that was already in place, as well as kind of our our communication cadence with like you know video standups and then doing everything asynchronous asynchronously through the day um that was all good and and ready to go i think the biggest kind of change ended up being that um you know really like before covid our 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 core business was kind of making it easier for for a certain subset of restaurants and suppliers to really like interact well together and order. And then as soon as COVID happened, uh, that that almost shut down those sets of businesses right away. So from a product development perspective, uh, we, we had to very nimbly be able to kind of like change focuses in order to remain super relevant uh, for the customers of ours that were you know, still operating during COVID. Uh, so I, I think our team size actually was really helpful there, as well as 
um, we have a, an environment where everyone is, is quite comfortable kind of switching gears when needed. So uh, we are able to move our focus really quickly. And, and I think that's kind of helped us both with both with uh, the direction we're now focused on, as well as some really key learnings at the beginning of COVID. Right on. And that's great, I guess, to have a startup of you know a small size. You guys are nimble. You're, you're agile, right? So it's really good to uh, be able to you know adjust to changing requirements, which which is great to hear. Uh, now, moving to topic at hand, the design of sprints itself, Mitch, uh, seems the original, I guess, publication of it back in 2016, there's been some involvements uh, for, for the actual topic itself, for design sprints. How has it evolved in, in your eyes? Yeah, so um, the, the design sprint first came out, right? And uh, the, the book came out in, in 2016 uh, by Jake Knapp. And, and its real purpose at that time was uh, Google Ventures was using it as a process to help their portfolio companies, so startups, uh, very rapidly kind of come up with like bold, courageous ideas and, and test them quickly. Uh, but uh, it was also because because it was such an interesting process and, and a great thing to go through as a team, it was also adopted quite a bit by like larger businesses and, and enterprises like my previous company in, in Toronto, Tribal Scale, we we ran a lot of design sprints for our customers. Uh, and, and the original design sprint, right, was like five full solid days, kind of like, you know, six to seven hour days, the whole team in, in a war room together at the same time going through going through a concept and and that's that's kind of possible and and it works well for a startup that can dedicate that that time and do it like that but it was really 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 hard to do for larger businesses and uh, and enterprises really so um a, a couple of years ago now i guess i think it was 2018 or maybe sometime in 2019 jake knapp uh the original partnered up with this other group that's actually based in Berlin and they came up with the design sprint 2.0 uh, and it was mainly to address like hey this this process shouldn't just be for startups so we should make it more um, a little bit easier to undertake for larger businesses and and secondly we can probably make it even more efficient so what they did was they they basically reshifted some of the uh, activities and actually got rid of some and and turned it from five days to four days and, and only required two days of the whole team in the room at the same time and the other two days they could have a, a partial team so that made it a, a lot easier for uh, for more people to be able to actually run these uh, and even a little bit more efficient so when we when we went to undertake the sprint, we we opted for the um, this 2.0 version to one to try it out because I had never done it before, and and secondly because we 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 also felt it was going to be easier to handle if we didn't need the whole team, uh, the whole sprint team together for for five solid days. Right. Yeah. It's it's uh 
definitely like 2.0. Uh, I haven't heard about it, but the idea behind it uh, makes makes total sense. You know, if it's agnostic of business size, rather either it's a small startup or it's a big uh, corporation. So that that definitely helps. And you know, you're cutting one day, and then not all the teams have to be involved. So they all they all sound really good. So I can totally see why you guys wanted to try it out. Uh, so. Can you tell us a bit more about the problem or the idea at hand that you guys uh, had for your remote design sprint? Yeah, so kind of what I was saying at the beginning when you were asking how COVID was affecting us, we were we started getting like really existential about our business and being like, hey, um, like what what happens if um, if during during Corona the uh, there's vastly less uh, number of restaurants or or um, or takeout is substantially like larger and there's way less people that go out to eat anymore like what's going to happen to the suppliers um, we were seeing a lot of talk going on uh, and and I've been, and I've been following the situation in Toronto too so I know this has been happening in Toronto as well where there's a, a huge push for supporting you know, local businesses and, and buying more local. And, and so we were thinking like, man, maybe this is a, a real opportunity area for us to, to think about how does chef's list like evolve or, or come up with a, a, a net new concept potentially during um, that will, that, that will survive during Corona and obviously after as well. So, so the, the stage for our, our problem area was 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 really this is we, we went into it being like how 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 can chefs list be the the one place to go to for a for a restaurant to be able to find like exactly the type of supplier he want he or she wants to work with and be able to kind of fully procure like locally and learn about the products and the people involved and all of this uh, because we felt like focusing on the people um, was going to be was going to be critical to the future. Uh, so this was kind of our, our very broad problem area that we started with when we were when we started with kind of the mapping exercise and, and thinking about um, like what type of people we were going to want to interview and so on. I love that. How you basically that was, I guess, the overarching approach to your business. Uh, I assume that that was that was the, that was the case uh, for for this remote design sprint. And uh, I think how you focused on the end user and also uh, just you know following the news about you know buying more local. Um, I think just just uh, that that's the, the perfect mix that the, you guys uh, took on to basically test it out and see see what are the possibilities there. So, uh, how did you go about setting up this stage, Mitch? Yeah, so um, it it happened a little bit organically in the sense that before the design sprint, um, when we made the decision of hey, we need to kind of like consider consider how our product can evolve and, and what should be next. We actually did 
uh, 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 two different exercises as well. We 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 did a a full day exercise, probably a, a week or a week and a half before the sprint, where we 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 took our our whole team and split them into three groups to do some kind of independent brainstorming and, and pitching of, of of new concepts. We also did a um, a little bit of a strategic foresight exercise where we we tried to do some some future casting where we were like okay let's let's imagine what some possible scenarios are uh, and 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 then when like making up those scenarios like if if that future does happen what does that mean for chefs list and how chefs list could evolve so we were doing those things beforehand um, and, and we started recognizing like okay this is helpful we're kind of getting creative but it wasn't we weren't getting very good tactical outputs. Uh, and then we also knew that we had really, really great relationships with customers. So we had the opportunity to be, to involve um, non-chefs list people, so actual customers in, into the process. So between doing these, these other activities beforehand and that kind of really getting the creative juices flowing and as well as is getting a little bit frustrated that okay we're getting some ideas but we don't really know how to tactfully move forward or like that that's a really good opportunity to like use the the sprint process because it's so kind of like systematic to to go through a series of, of steps incorporating all the, all of what we did beforehand in these other exercises to actually end up with a, a tactical output. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. Uh, so you guys basically first did that that full day, uh, you know, splitting up your team members to come up with new concepts and uh, to do some you know feature forecastings and basically I guess some risk management. Uh, if you put it that way, and just to get everything solid in place, you needed a process, and uh, running it by a you know design sprint process was the basically reason behind uh, you guys going after and wanting to try it out. That's pretty awesome. So walk us through daily activities of the sprint, man, from day one. Yeah, no, definitely. So um, I'll, I'll I'll basically so the main difference between the 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 four-day version and the five-day version with the the rejigging of activities really is in the in the five-day version you kind of start out with this with this exercise that's all about mapping the problem so that that's where you kind of like bring in external experts hear them speak um, you, you get a huge download from them huge download from like your internal stakeholders so like in our case you know our, our CEO and my and myself and then and then you do like demos and things like this and, and then on day two you start kind of sketching um, potential like problem areas um, in the four-day version, you actually do that map and sketching in a single day. So that that's one of the ways in which you shorten it. So you uh, you you have a little bit more of an efficient uh, interview schedule. So we we brought in some like external suppliers so we can like talk to them and did the interviewing, and uh, and then by the afternoon, you end up getting into a a place where you could actually sketch, uh, and then on the second day, uh, you use 
you use the morning to, okay, now that you've had some like solutions sketched out, it's time to kind of decide on, on a concept that you want to move forward with. And you use the, the concept of the decider to do that. Um, so you can kind of minimize all of the back and forth. And then in the afternoon of that second day, you're kind of storyboarding how you want the, the user test to end up going. And then you spend all the third day testing and all of this, uh, sorry, all of the third day prototyping and all of the fourth day testing. Now I, I'll, uh, must caveat this that, so despite us trying to do this, this four day sprint, it actually in practice, uh, rolled out to almost doubling that. Like, I think it was probably a, a solid seven days approaching eight by the time we were by the time we actually started testing. And um, I think that's largely like, I, I kind of attribute it to, to two main things, which we can get to at some point, which are some of the gotchas of doing this remotely is, I'm sure as everyone listening is already aware now that we're, you know, what, 60 some days into lockdown, being on video calls all day long is like extremely exhausting. So everything takes a bit longer. That's one element of it. And the second element of it was, uh, so I was facilitating the sprint uh, and, and emotions were pretty, were relatively high because not only is for us as chefs, we're getting a little existential about our business, but everyone's also kind of managing like this, their own personal stress and uncertainties from going through Corona. So whereas in a typical design sprint, it's a little bit easier to kind of like stop people in their tracks in a discussion and like, and some circular discussion and like move on and making a decision. This one, I felt it actually a lot harder to do that because um, I really wanted to make sure people felt heard. So therefore, you know, our, 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 our four days bled quite a bit. Well, I guess that makes sense uh, in a way, like you said, because not only it was the corona and it's a whole kind of like screen fatigue, call it, you know, when it comes to mm -hmm. uh, by itself in person is very intense. And uh, let alone if you want to have a remote, but also your startup exist existential stage that you're at, you know, you guys, uh, you know, in that survival mode. So it could totally makes sense. Not only you have that screen fatigue, but also there's, there's basically, uh, you know, uh, your team's uh, kind of like whatever the plans and careers, you know, on, on the line, right? So No, exa yeah. exa exactly, exactly. Like I must say, like in, in retrospect, because so we, we wrapped up this sprint probably, you know, three weeks ago now. Um, I don't actually think the, uh, the additional time we used yielded... Um, practical benefits uh i think we could have we, we 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 could have actually gotten the same or similar result um had i had i been a little bit more uh strict as a facilitator but for person for like everyone's individual personal reasons i think it was actually worth going going through the time and extending it a little bit more because it just gave a little bit more time for everyone to be able to kind of wrap their head around, you know, everything being 
discussed in the in the direction we were going. Right on, and I think that's that's uh, where where you have I guess you have to be open to changing the setup and the process, right? So uh, to increase the team's I guess morale when it comes to it. And, Definitely. And, uh, you know, even knowing that it's not gonna the actual results not gonna change much, but just to get the team team's morale in place, you you kind of uh, extend that to seven to eight days, which is very interesting. Now. For the actual sprint, uh, when you were running it remotely, what kind of tools were you using to facilitate, Mitch? Yeah, so um, this was kind of interesting. So when I was when I was preparing to run the sprint, the piece that I was most concerned about was um, for anyone that's ever run one in person, like there's a high amount of like it's a high bandwidth activity, right? There's tons of interaction, and 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 I mentioned at the beginning, but you normally have this like war room that you kind of like like stays put and you and, and evolves through the days, and and it's really important in in that's a super important part of the process because every day when you like go to the room, you kind of like remind yourself of of everything that you went through and that's there. So I was kind of getting concerned about how to replicate that digitally. And anyways, what, what we ended up doing, and, and there's some great resources online too, actually, is uh, we used a combination of tools. So we used um, Zoom for conferencing and video. Uh, we used Google Docs pretty extensively before for actually like planning, and and that's something we should probably spend two or three minutes talking about on its own because I think uh, the planning part for a remote design sprint is even that much more important. Uh, and then we used Mural as a digital whiteboard, and I and I can't say enough good things about Mural. It it was absolutely like phenomenal in the. Um, like three weeks later, actually, we're, we're still actually using Mural, not for design sprints, but everyone just enjoyed it so much that, that they're, they're using it for all kinds of other collaboration. In addition, um, you know, we're a startup with little money, and, and so adding a new tool to the list that's going to cost you money was something we didn't we really didn't want to do. Mural has been like really fantastic during COVID. They basically extended their like 30 day trial to 90 days. Um, so it, it's gave us more than enough time to play with it beforehand and learn it and still use it now. Uh, and then I also had a, an iPad pro, which ended up being really helpful with a, with an Apple pencil. Cause that, cause some, sometimes, you know, the, the digital whiteboards aren't quite good enough just on their own, but if you can add an iPad to the mix, you can really, really get that feeling for uh, somebody actually writing on a board. Uh, and the cool part about Mural, and, and there's there's another really great whiteboard too, it's called, almost sounds the same thing, Miro, um, but they have the concept of like rooms. So you kind of like create a room and then in the room you have all these different boards. So uh, what this meant for us is like day over day, we were able to like add boards to our room and and uh, you can you'd be able to kind of like navigate the board and and re-remind yourself of everything that happened the day before. 
so this was this this made the process actually really really fantastic but it but it does mean it's a lot more work for the for the facilitator because in order for this to be effective the facilitator has to do a pretty good job like pre-planning out the boards organizing them uh, and and making sure that when you kick off your session on the next day, you kind of do it in such a way where you can get people into the old boards and, and kind of trying to replicate that feeling of getting into the war room. Yeah, totally. Yes. And the whole kind of replicate the whole evolving kind of whiteboards as they come in to remind yourself every day. That's that's a tough that's a tough job to do when it comes to running it remotely, right? So, uh, and you mentioned planning, it's more important uh, for remote design sprints. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that? Yeah, like, so in, in person, right, you have these processes and you just kind of like, you know, the facilitator, assuming you have some experience facilitating, it can like jump on the whiteboard and and like walk people kind of like through an exercise and everyone knows how to use like sticky notes everyone knows how to use a whiteboard everyone knows how to you know you do all kinds of ranking exercise and sprints too where you you know you draw like a cartesian plane on a whiteboard and you move stickies around like these are all things that are really that most people um, like intuitively can figure out how to do really easily or or have done some aspect before in person but when you move that over to to digital uh it's it's not so easy to just kind of like uh, get people used to using stickies and moving them and, and, and drawing on this digital board so what makes life so so much easier is um, what I did as a as a facilitator, I basically went through each of the activities we were going to do on each day, and I prepared the the mural board to be able to like do that activity. So that so so like in practice, that would mean you know I have an area set up where we're going to do brainstorming and there's already some instructions there with some with some stickies of showing people how to actually use the mural on another part of the board there's already a cartesian plane kind of like set up there with titles on the axes so i don't need to kind of fumble my way through doing this and and lower the energy uh, while we're actually in the middle of the process because that's that's kind of the key thing to a sprint too right there's so much better when you could keep energy up the whole way through and if you're when you're transitioning to one activity to another if the facilitator needs to you know copy and paste a bunch of things or or draw something else on the board like everyone else is just kind of like awkwardly at their desk at home like watching while this happens right so it, it, it ends up being a, an energy low point. So it really pays dividends to do all that prep beforehand. And the other prep that I did beforehand too, is I, I found some kind of YouTube videos uh, of, of basically how to use Mural and as well as gave people some like little basic exercises for like, okay, like this is how you make, post-its this is how you move them this is how you change the color and the size and all this and i kind of gave that as as like homework to everyone before we started so this way when we on day one 
uh, everyone was, you know, comfortable enough with the tools to be effective right away, rather than again, like, you know, waste a bunch of mental energy in, in, in figuring out the tools or the, or the technology that can, that can really be a, a buzzkill during a, during a sprint. Yeah, no, thanks for sharing. That gave a lot of insight into how you went about it. And now it makes total sense why it would take a lot more time. Basically, you had to think through all the steps ahead of time and basically to fill in those transition points, to basically fill in those gaps to keep the energy high. You had to plan for those. So you, there's something in place that you're doing it ahead of time to keep that energy level high, right? So that's, that's pretty awesome. That's, a, that's exactly it. Right on, right on. So, I mean, overall, like, what would you say went well with this remote design sprint? Yeah, so I think what went uh, really well is, is so the, the cool thing about having, like, these digital boards and assets is, like, they never need to go away, right? Um, so, like, our, our sprint room still exists and all the things in there are still there. So we can we can refer back to that today um so that, that's a really cool asset to have so that that worked really really well um the other thing that worked well is there's times in the sprint where right where you're doing kind of like independent activity like you're when you're kind of like sketching uh, a prototype um like like before you actually get into prototyping like you know everyone does some solution sketching and then on day three you do the prototyping it's actually really good for people um, to be able to do those, like those are times when you can kind of like turn off the, the video and conferencing and you can be like, okay, guys, we got like 40 minutes to do this. Everyone can kind of just like turn off the conferencing software, go offline and just focus on that. Uh, and it and it's easier to focus on that uh, individually because the one, one thing that always happens when you do it in person, right, is people are pretty self-conscious about their, like, ability to, to sketch. Um, so, and, and because they don't want people kind of watching them, like, in the process of sketching. Here, it's kind of nice where you could turn everything off, no one's watching you, spend the time sketching for a half hour, 40 minutes, and then share that after. So that that worked out really really well too, uh, and overall the result was good. Um, the bads of it are, uh, as we were saying before, right? The video fatigue, like that that is just uh, it. There's no way around it. Um, and the the other bad is uh, in the sprint, there there is an amount of of work that's supposed to be like anonymous, like this this uh, individual sketching I was, I was mentioning. In in person, what happens is uh, is everyone in sketches on, on on paper, and then they they kind of like independently post it up on the wall, and and people can kind of like vote and check it out later, and they don't necessarily know who sketched it. Um, you can't really replicate that very well digitally because uh, you know people need to each individually like take a picture of their of their sketch and then and then they like upload it to the mural and put it there and so their kind of like name is automatically associated with it right away so it it loses some of the uh, anonymity part of it 
um, so that so that part wasn't so great. Um, but overall, I'd say it was a lot better than I had thought it was going to be. And I'd say, having done a remote design sprint now, um, I wouldn't let uh, a remote like the remote nature like stop me from doing a sprint anymore. Like I I think like with you know if you if you do some sufficient planning ahead of time, you could run a sprint just as good, just as well remotely as you can in person. And and some aspects of it, like I like I think, can actually be a bit better. Um, so so I I've got kind of nothing but but positive things to say about about the remote sprint. Okay, well, that makes sense. And uh, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure. Like you know, uh, teams like Admiral or Miro, uh, if that feature doesn't exist today, I'm pretty sure if they get enough feedback, they'd be willing to somehow make it anonymous when it comes to you know when you upload your sketches uh, to kind of like keep that level of I guess confidentiality or whatever. No, definitely, de- definitely, I, I definitely use the intercom chat feature on on uh, Miro when I was. Uh, prepping for the for the sprint and I brought up a like a handful of other kind of like features um, that that are missing to, to really do a better job in replicating uh, the sprint process and basically every time they're like yep definitely on the roadmap we've been hearing about that especially recently so uh, I, I I imagine it's not going to be so long before, before those tools are are even better prepared for remote sprints. No, that's that's pretty awesome, and you know they're lucky that they're getting the first-hand uh, feedback from uh, other product managers that for for the clients, basically, right? So it's pretty interesting uh, how you guys are feeding back your comments, and they want to put it in the backlog and build it. It's pretty cool. So you mentioned that uh, to com- to compare it, uh, you know, to compare it the uh, you said you, you you would actually do it again if you want if you were to run mm-hmm. a remote design sprint, but uh, if you had the option to do it in person versus remotely, now you had this template for the remote one. Uh, would you do it in person or remote? If I have the option um, with the right team members to do it like in person, I'm going to do it in person. But uh, I wouldn't. Com- but now uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't compromise on my sprint team. Um, only to to run it in person, if if you understand what I'm saying. So I think like so, what I've had happen uh, in the past that at Tribal Scale, not here, it, is sometimes you actually like don't have the right person as the decider, or 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 you don't have like you know this ideal person who who would have added this great context because they're you know they're they're just um, not in the same office, and everyone else was, and, and it just wasn't practical to to make that to to get them involved. Um, now that I know how the remote design sprint works, um, I would never make that trade off of of sacrificing on the team just to make sure it could all happen in person. I, I would actually run it remotely if it meant the sprint team is the is the more like kind of like aligned team for that particular task. Right. It's always good to have options, right? Now, if you have like 
more than one option when it comes to running your sprints, I guess it's always better, right? That's right. Right on. Okay, cool. So uh, what are some uh, resources, Mitch, that you, you, re you recommend uh, to our listeners to check out if they want to run a remote design sprint? I know you mentioned that you uh, the, the kind of uh, the process was based on the 2.0. Uh, would you first, uh, I guess like, like, let's put it this way, would you recommend 2.0 over the first one? That's the first question. And the second is that what other resources would you recommend for our listeners to check out? Yeah, so I would definitely check out the 2.0. Like for anyone that's run the, the first one before, um, you, you probably remember the mapping exercise being like, kind of a little bit awkwardly long at some at some parts uh so so 2.0 is definitely a, a, an improvement and there's lots of really great resources on the 2.0 so this so jake knapp has like i said he partnered up with this place in 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 berlin on on actually documenting all the 2.0 stuff so if you google design sprint 2.0 you'll you'll find all of this content there and moreover this um uh this resources that i was talking about from this firm here here in berlin that partnered with jig nap they they put all of their content on youtube so if you look up design sprint 2.0 on youtube or aj and smart on youtube you'll find like literally probably 60 70 videos on everything from like design sprint 1.0 versus 2.0 to um, detailed instructionals on like every possible activity you can do inside a design sprint, uh, as well as there's some there's some really good interviews on on what it's been like kind of running remote design sprints and tips for that. I think they even have a little ebook for tips for that. So these are all the resources that I used and and I thought they were they were really, really great. Um, and then both Mural and Miro have um, templates as part of their as part of their tools to to help with with design sprints, um, I I personally didn't end up using the template because um, there's some customizing that I just wanted to do and it was easier for me to start from scratch. But for someone who's never run one before, um, the templates are are definitely a a very good time saver and and worth checking into. Love that. Thanks for sharing. Uh, so now that's awesome. You ran this with your team, Remote Design Sprint. So what's what's next for you and your team at uh, Chef's List? Yeah. So so funny enough, um, our design sprint, the the end result of it actually like um, uh, validated a direction to not move forward in, uh, and, and and it got us really really aligned on basically build, building a new product that's going to help um a lot of smaller and more niche food suppliers and so we so right after the design sprint actually it, is when we got all excited about this new idea and about two weeks ago we started full-fledged 
into building that. So right now we're we're on a build cycle and hoping to launch this new product at the end of June. And and the team is we're all fully behind it. We believe in it. We're excited by it, uh, and we're excited in building something that we think will be more useful uh, to the particular types of, of food suppliers and restaurants that are are have figured out how to thrive during during Corona, uh, and will continue to be helpful to hopefully everyone as as the restaurants kind of around the world start to. Um, get back to business as slightly more normal uh, over the next few weeks. No, I love that. Not only, I guess, running this design, this uh, design sprint uh, kind of brought the gave a direction to where you guys want to head, but also sounds like uh, kind of the team morale and the alignment has been really strong after that, which is which is really good to hear. Definitely. Awesome. So last question, Mitch, it's a fun question. I ask it uh, from all the guests for the Corona, I guess, uh, era. So what are you, what are some of your quarantine tips? <laughs> so a couple things have happened uh, tips for me. I th- I'd say like get outside and get some exercise and fresh air. I bought a road bike about two weeks ago and I'm like, it's, it's been the amazing, like, activity to do like in isolation so find something fun like that um i would also like this is an incredibly strange time for all of us and we're all going through some weird kind of emotional ups and downs don't feel like you need to hide it and go through it on your own i'd say talk about it to people you're comfortable with and you'll i think you'll recognize that you're 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 not feeling the way you're feeling is not just you and this is helpful and the last one is um i'm personally trying to be extremely optimistic um as well like we are going through like some unprecedented times and and there's something like really exciting about that right like there's so much change and acceleration happening that it's like you know that's part of what makes it like scary but that's also the part that makes it super exciting so if you can kind of like find that piece to be excited about i think that'll make uh quarantine and and covid seem um at least be a lot more manageable so we can all get through this together and and be in a much more positive place at the end of it awesome no, i love that thanks for sharing it and uh, really valuable tips you get especially the last one on you know uh the way you see it is the way it will be and i'm totally with you on that as well uh okay cool uh, well thanks for being with us today mitch and sharing your tips on running re- remote design sprint yeah, no, it's been awesome. Thanks for having me and uh, looking forward to hearing uh, the next episodes that come out. There you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's talk with Mitch Sagan, co-founder and CPO at Chef's List, and you took some value out of it on how to run remote design sprints for your teams and projects. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at PMHubTO. And until next time, stay safe and healthy.